This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here with Wolves Fancast, sponsored by the 90 Minute Network and the Sports Shopping Kings Winford. I'm joined by Gully, Adam and Kim to discuss the hammering, even though the scoreline might not have suggested it, and the humbling of Aston Villa Football Club in yesterday's game. How are we everybody? Fabulous. Good. Fabulous. Lovely after that. Yeah, I know. I just want, I don't I know, know if anyone can maybe for the audio listeners a little cracking. Can, can, can we get that on the audio? Just a little, you've been storing that, haven't you? For I the last half bit. hour, yeah, yeah. I'll prep that one to be fair. But cheers to what was an excellent result, everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's one of those things really where, um, on the outset and on the outside, we were really, really worried about, like, I know I was going into um, the game. Uh, worried about more the reaction of what it's going to be when I go back to work <laughs> like the following days and the panic around that. Um, but, I mean, from you guys, what was your expectations going into the game before we look at the lineup? What was the kind of expectation? I guess it was... Yeah. I, I, look, anybody who's missing uh, Raul Jimenez and Ruben Neves uh, from their starting lineup. Will probably have a, a degree of trepidation about, you know, going into this game. We just suffered a slightly humiliating defeat, to be honest, uh, against the poor Leeds team. We'd had two two weeks to kind of stew over it, and I think if you, the longer that time goes on, everyone just just starts to fear the the next fixture. You almost want after a game like that, you want to get a game in as soon as possible to to get that the crap out of your system. But it was allowed to fester over. What was not the most exciting um, international week, as as is usually the case, and as a result, yeah, like you say, people weren't necessarily that that enthused about our prospects. But I don't know, Villa Villa aren't as 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 good a team as people probably lead you to believe. That they, they seem to have had this weird crest of a wave in terms of media coverage because Steven Gerrard is now at the club. Philip Coutinho has joined. And apparently they're they're on the march again. Um, and I kept checking the league table to see where they were for a while, and they weren't really making any inroads on it. So should we have been as worried as we were? In hindsight, probably not. Well, this is one of the things, but I guess that takes us nicely, I suppose, to looking at the lineup. So it was uh, a Wolves Dars wet dream or nightmare i guess you could say there are some stalwarts in there that the wolves dars would absolutely have detested so we've obviously we had um dendonka trinkow and silver in the lineup which rightly or wrongly have, uh, have faced a barrage of abuse over social media over the last few weeks and um, slash months um price from your point of view looking at that lineup one you know contentious decision before the game maybe was who were we going to be looking at right wing back um the lineup for you how did it um how did it feel in the builder 
there's a there's a couple of players there which like normally whoever well whenever we see them on on the team sheet that it, it provokes a bit of angst and I think Marcel's probably the, the one which provokes the most because we all a lot of people want to see eight Nori in in fact for good reason as well but I think as I said before with Marcel he, he just is what he is he doesn't do anything spectacularly wrong of a game but nor does he ever come in ever in danger of winning the man on the match award um I think normally for home games you kind of like to see Ain't Nori playing because he's the, you, you know, we have him down as a more attacking fullback, but Marcel is the old, uh, the old wise ahead. Well, it's supposed to be that kind of role as you know, the the, the more experienced professional at the two. So my thoughts initially was um, maybe I would have liked to have seen Ain't Nori. Obviously, Marcel did himself um, no harm with the game that he played, but obviously the one for me being Trinkau, um so I've obviously made my views on Trincare quite known in previous months. Mm. And I'm, and to be honest, I wasn't part of the queue of all Wolves fans that were rushing to nosh him off after his Leeds game. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one game, basically, isn't it? There were a you few, know. weren't there, Adam? It's true. There were a few. I've, and I, I've, 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 I did spot him online. And um, I think, come on, you know, one one swallow just make a summer. Oh, I'm talking about noshing and swallowing, wasn't it? I've got, to, I've got to rally, I've got to rally back in a minute. Something Freudian going on here, Price. <laughs> we were meant to go live at 9pm, actually, after the watershed. <laughs> Frank cast after dark. But, um, yeah, I'm, look, look, he had a great game against Leeds. That's, that was, you know, that, to try and argue otherwise would just be stupid. But, come on, it's just, it's just one game for Trinkero. And I think, for me, I still don't particularly trust him that much. So, I would have gone with a different option. Um but hey, you know, that, those, those are two my my two main contentious ones. We always knew Fabio was going to play, so mm-hmm. you know, no no problems there. Pedence is, is a starter all, all the time there anyway, so no issues there. And of course, Matinho Dendonka were obviously going to be um, starting as it was, and yeah. So for me, it was just a left back and and, and the forward line, which were sort of my two contentious issues. Yeah, Kim, you know we all play armchair manager, um, you know, beer or uh, non-alcoholic drink in hand before the game. Were there any changes that you would have made? You know, I know in hindsight is 2020, but before the game, were there any changes that you would like to have seen, yeah, I mean, you know, with Samedo and Neto, you know, being declared fit to play beforehand? I think actually Samedo was quite an interesting one because I think Johnny has slotted in so well the last few games. I think... There wasn't really an argument, just because I think he's mm-hmm. been really like since he's come back, he's really starting to look match sharp and back to his old self. So I don't think at the time I didn't think, oh, why Samedo not starting? And I think moving forward, that'll be interesting to see how both sort of wing backs um, develop. And then I suppose, as you guys have said, in midfield, what could we have done? I was really worried about our centre midfield up against Villas on paper. I thought, oh, we, we could mm-hmm. get overrun here obviously that wasn't the case um and yeah I guess the Trincao debate at the time I did think oh Trincao starting sort of thing and I'm not massively convinced either but I think it was the right decision considering Neto still doesn't look completely match sharp um and Huang's obviously just come back from injury so I think that was a right formation so unfortunately he was kind of the only option really to at least start and then obviously bring on Huang and um, 
and Neto when, as and when, which he did. So I think overall you couldn't complain. You know, my major gripe was the Marcel to Aitnori mm. uh, switch, but then I guess that's just because I've got Aitnori in my FPL team as well. So that's really annoyed me that he wasn't starting it again. Well, it's a curious case, isn't it, Ain't Nori? Depending on where you read or, or where you consume your information, um, people would say he doesn't have the engine for 90 minutes, you know, at all, if not playing two games in a week kind of thing. Um, but when he has played uh, this season, he has shone and he's really shown himself to be a star, star player and a star attraction for us. So it's going to be curious. I'd, I'd love to be fly on the wall in training and see what, what happens with him and why large doesn't you know bring, bring him in every game because you know marcel is as good as stamped his ticket you know out, out the door already um so i don't know it's a strange one really it's a strange one but you know the game started off with a bang um chances 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 and johnny ended up um, getting on the score sheet after um a bit of a scramble um in front of goal um this really was a reward for a barrage that we put against Villa, you know, in the opening 10 minutes there. Um, from your point of view, it clearly, you know, we were in the ascendancy and when we deserved to score. But what did you like most about the goal price? Obviously, it was, um, you know, he's becoming a bit of a, a habit for Johnny now, which is obviously what we want. But the goal itself, you know, well worked. Talk us through it. But right now, looking at that photo online, the thing I like most is Johnny's thighs. Look at them. Look at them thighs he's got there. He's a tank, man does not, he? He does not. He does not miss a leg there, does he, in the gym? Does Johnny? Um, do you know what? The goal itself, it, was, it just well worked, wasn't it? I, mean, I think there was... I think it broke from midfield, didn't it? And, and Matinho, and not... This wouldn't be his only time where he'd break through <laughs> from midfield and go on a bit of a marauding run. I think he, he popped it out wide, didn't he? I think there was an element of... Slight element of fortune, I think, for what I can remember, because I think the ball was basically going through to Conser, wasn't it? And he slipped and yeah, he slipped and um, poetically so, get, poetically so, yeah. And then um, Pedence and Silver had the chances. Um, probably, I think Silver could have probably been a bit more tena- had a bit more tenacity about his shot, but it didn't really, didn't really matter. But what fit? I mean, that finish from you know Johnny. I, I think I heard on the, on the highlights afterwards. It's only Sonny's fifth goal in over a hundred games for us. So obviously scoring's not his forte, but that is two and two for him now. Um, amazing, amazing finish. Um, it's an underrated yeah, finish, isn't it? As well, that finish. It's quite yeah, underrated, it's especially for a fullback. It, I think the the, yeah. the thing is it. We'd, we'd almost messed the whole situation up, really, hadn't we? You know, with Dilly Dallying to actually get a shot away. And the fact it was put away, it put you at ease, but that was no chance, no no sense of a gimme there when it dropped to him. It's not like he's, you know, absolutely dead set to, to finish that one. So fair play to him for, for striking it as well as he did, because I, I always thought that, well, the weakest part of his game was, was always going forward, kind of prior to him coming back from his injury and playing left sides generally speaking you get into the final third and not necessarily be so uh clinical or or, or creative even so for him to be doing that on the right hand side when in theory you've got a player like Samedo who we would have expected that from over the over the last kind of 18 months 
Um, good, just goes to show what a class footballer he is. Really, he's, he's he's really stepped up, and I'm hoping maybe even there's a, a Spain call up for him in, at the World Cup uh, at the end of this year. Who knows? Absolutely, mm, would be great to see. Well, it, it was it, it was an absolute rocket when you look back on the on the highlights of it. It was, um, you know, it was one of those goals where you just think to yourself, it, it's a cliche. Can you score too early? Do you do you know? Do you then sit back? But actually, it was chances and chances and chances, and and as I mentioned before, an absolute barrage. Um, Kim, obviously, we attacked and we attacked and we hit um, we hit Villa hard. Was it a case for you that? Villa were playing terribly and were defensively liable, or did you think it was actually our strength in attack that you know pushed us on and, and made us create so many chances? Because you could hear from the um, the Molyneux faithful, you know, digging into Mings, saying about if he can play for England, so can I. Um, it was what, what did you think about the kind of the chances we chased, we created? Should we have scored more, or actually, you know, was was the balance of play, you know, fifty fifty for you? I think it's a bit of both in terms of I think Villa were they are all over the shop defensively. I think at times you I couldn't quite believe how open they were in the first half. It was almost like they were just I don't know they'd lost their heads and they were just going out all attack and they just were desperate to try and get a goal but won't create anything but just pushed up so high that it felt like just one ball was was going to get us through, and I think that happened quite a few times. I think there's um, with the Fabio chance where he was virtually through. Mm. Maybe, maybe should have done better. Um, but saying that, I think we did look really, really good going forward. I think the Pedence Silver sort of partnership has kind of looked good in in previous games. And um, to be honest, I was just so surprised how well Matinho did. And I was one of these people that. I know quite a lot of Villa fans work with quite a few here and there, so and live all, all around where I live is Villa. And the pre the conversations leading up to the game, I was just so worried about us in midfield. With Matinho is obviously an amazing player, but he ain't getting any younger. Then Donk has mm-hmm. been a bit up and down. Um, I haven't been his biggest fan, but again, he he looked really good, really getting stuck in. But Matinho was just. He was almost just like running the show, what you'd expect Neves to do. Um, so, yeah, just just an unbelievable performance. And the uh, the icing on the cake would have been just to put sort of put the game to bed, I guess, before half time. But but we didn't. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, comments coming in there from um, from some of the people watching live with us about, you know, some players are missing and we still are creating chances and we're still, um, you know, performing at a higher level a little bit more similar to how we kind of played in the first three games. I'm sure Gully will talk through that um, in his excellent um, GTA series. Um, from, from your point of view, Gully, you know, we're bombarding forward. We're creating chance after chance after chance. That one that falls to Silver where, you know, actually in hindsight, he could have potentially have um, cut it back. He's gone for goal. I, I think I think striker's instinct will allow him that. What were your thoughts going forward in terms of, of our attack? It was, you know, it was really exciting to see. It was really, really promising. Um, I think while Raul's absence was clearly enforced, it was about time that, that Fabio got mm. a run in the side because um, he has looked promising every single time he's he's come on in games. Um, I think Bruno hinted at the fact that he probably would have played a little bit more given he's had to make some enforced substitutions and he would have had a few more cameo appearances. But I just I just don't see why you can't be trusted with at least an hour on the pitch 
from the start of the game. And then I think he went on to prove that he is capable of um, of at least matching Jimenez's levels. Uh, I mean, I, I think in the first half, he probably offered more than Jimenez has in weeks, um, in, in, in this game in particular, especially with kind of his all-round game. That's what I liked about it most. He he seemed to link up really nicely with Trincao and Pedence. They've, they've, they've got a good understanding individually, I think. He's, he's, he seems to be like best mates with Trincao. And yep. Pedence and him have always looked really promising together as a partnership. Um, but the, the chances, I think he's probably trying to be a little bit too precise with his finishes. Both were a bit safe, mm-hmm. um, especially the one where he went, uh, where he beat Mings to the ball and mm-hmm. um, he tried to side foot it near post. Uh, he kind of made Emmy Martin, Martinez's job quite easy there. But all round, I think driving with the ball, you just saw him carrying the ball distances and stuff. Stuff you, wouldn't, yeah. you just wouldn't have imagined him doing last season. So you can see his game coming on leaps and bounds at the moment. We can. He just needs games, um, he in general, doesn't he? He just needs. Yeah. This is what is 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 needed. Awards just running the team, and people have spoken before about we need to loan him out or, or whatever. But I don't, I, I don't think that's the right thing for him. He just needs games in this team to to, to get better and, and develop. I'm not sure loaning him out either to Europe or as we talk about championship loans. I just think that's not the right. I don't know. I just, I, it wouldn't feel like the right thing to do with him. I know he's got. Roll ahead of him, which makes his which makes game time for him very very difficult because if him there's his fit, he's he's going to play. But mm-hmm. that's to come a time now when serious consideration is given because him and is not the him and of old. We all have saw that this season. He's not the same player. Yeah. He's he's making uh, rash decisions on the pitch. Whether that's connected to his injury or not, we don't know. But he's had two. You know, questionable red cards this season, where you think, you know, what are you actually doing? The time comes when you think, well, okay, do we now put our stock in in Fabio? He's he's the one that we bought for the future. He's the project. He's the long term investment. I'm not saying it's now, but at some point, it needs to be a question asked. Maybe in the summer, that you know, who do we invest our time in going forward in a team? And obviously, Fabio's got. He's had the Villa game yesterday. He's got the Newcastle game. As guaranteed starts, guaranteed game time. He's got to make. He's got to make Bruno think and give him an option. Mm. Going back to um, Fabio for a second, I think what was really pleasing to see is his physicality. He was he was so tenacious, and you know he had Mings on toast at one point. You know whether that was um, a lack of concentration from Mings's point of view, but he outmuscled him off the ball. To, you know, unfortunately, he did spurn the chance that he created for himself. But you know, Kim, from your point of view. What do you see in six to twelve months' time, Fabio Silva's strengths being for us? What 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 potential do you see in him? What what kind of player do you think he's going to end up being for us? I think firstly, I agree with you, Matt. I think how I know Mings isn't the most highly rated defender. However, one of his strengths is how strong he is, and the fact that so many times. He was literally bustling, Fabio was bustling mm-hmm. Mings off the ball like he wasn't there, was quite surprising. And I think if you look back to when um, he first started in the team, he looked really, really not strong, would get mm-hmm. pushed off the ball. He's almost like Trincao does now still. Um, but he's clearly just working on his strength and overall game. And I think in six or 12 months, he's like, from now, from when he started to where we are now, I think he's improved ridiculously. So I think 
it's quite unfair to almost start judging him because he hasn't had the game time and obviously he does need to take his chance. You know, he's got two games and, and really needs to be putting the ball in the net. But for me yesterday, it was an almost, it was a complete performance apart from getting the, putting the ball in the net. You know, there's two yeah. or three chances where you thought this, this is going to be it. I almost, before the game, I was almost saying, right, this is the time of Fabio finally, um, you know, gets, makes his arrival. And I think he did. But unfortunately, he just didn't didn't put the ball in the net again. But I'm I'm convinced it's going to happen against Newcastle. I can feel it. It's sky high, isn't it? Now after the after that performance, you'd like to think. So I feel like yeah, it is coming. Um, but yeah, I feel like as as long as he gets got game time enough game time in the next six to twelve months, which you'd like to think he will, because we can't just consistently carry on with Raul, who mm. will isn't the same player as he was so maybe we just need to start interchanging them a bit, bit more and even looking at playing both should we ask I don't know but he just needs a bit more game yeah. time so I don't think he's gonna <clears throat> really blossom enough to be a regular first teamer if he doesn't get that experience and time on the pitch yeah yeah, I'd agree. So moving on, as the game progresses, you know, Wolves continue to attack and we did make it too, thanks to some comedic um, heading supremacy by um, by Young there for the own goal. Um, you know, for all of the talk before the game, Marcel whipping in a wonderful ball. Um, Gully, you're a defender. Is there any justification <laughs> for what's what's happened there? Is young? Is he just? Uh, you know, should he be going for that header? Should he be trying to clear it? Is he just making sure that um, you know the Wolves man doesn't get on the end of it from the um, from the defenders' union? Talk me through it. Well, you wouldn't see me doing anything like that, but I've been spotlighted here. Um, well, <laughs> for start, I just wanted to point out the fact that um, we've seen off another uh, Villa left back because Luca Dean got substituted. So even without Adama Traore, we're still um, we're going through them like knives through butter, as they say. Um, but I think look, credit has to go to Marcel for the cross. It was it was unbelievable, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's something that's been overlooked that he actually is a lot more uh, competent in the final third. Now he he seems to be uh, brought that part of his game on quite a bit. So fair play to him. It was an awkward cross to deal with. What I would say is it wasn't really the ideal penalty area to deliver a ball into because Trincao was kind of the only one that was able to really maybe get on the end of anything mm-hmm. um but because of the nature of the delivery the the awkwardness of the, of, of the the bounce on the ball and and yeah Trinkard, fair play to him he's, he's, he's if he doesn't put that pressure on young he could probably play out you know let the ball run across his body and and, and play out but that pressure the run from Trinkard to get across his man has forced young to to make a decision um and once you're putting defenders in that kind of scenario anything can happen and yeah, he he didn't cover himself in glory, did he? But top top bins, wasn't it? Really, I think it was it was a great finish. <laughs> uh, one of the um, comments there saying about how it was a danger ball, and it really was a great ball that was whipped in. Um, Adam, from your point of view, um, the goal going in, making it two nil. Um, where were you thinking? So in the back of my mind, all I could think was, "Great, we're two nil up. This is fantastic." Last week we've been here before, and this result. The reverse fixture, you know, is this the negative, the pessimist in me thought, mm, right, I'm not I'm not overly happy yet. 
where were you at 2-0 in terms of your you know your squeaky bum time uh i think i think i was riding the crest of the wave at that point to be honest i'd, I'd um had the game gone up until that point i just thought we could we could run away with it here at this point I don't. I think by the time it was two 0 I think Villa might have had that one effort from Leon Bailey. I think so. I had to tip over. I think my timelines mm-hmm. might be wrong, but other than that, <clears throat> um, I didn't really see much danger from Villa. Uh, Watkins hadn't really got any sights on goal by that point. I thought we were controlling play in the, in the middle of the park. I was. Yeah, I generally thought we could, we could go on to get three or four here, potentially, if we keep doing mm-hmm. what we're doing. No reason why, why we shouldn't. I know, I think the guy next to me had said, oh, I don't like the 2-0, most dangerous score on football, but, which is not a really a theory that I subscribe to, to be honest. I think it's one of them football cliches that come out from time to time. I'd rather be two up than not, <laughs> to be, honest, well, to be yeah. honest. But... Yeah, I, I, I know it's a bit of a cliche that gets thrown there, but he, the guy next to my right, he was quite nervous. And, you know, no, really, I, I'm still not convinced we can go on and win this game. But I think they've probably still got the reverse fixture in mind where you know, their own instances can get two, to be two up, as we found out, and lose 3-2. You know? But no, at that point, I was, I was just thought, you know, we, we, we've got them, as you said, we've got them on toast, really, here. I, I don't really see anything. Unless we decide to take our foot off the gas mm. and try and play a containment game and let them back in. I thought we could we could we could really really put them to the sword here. Mm, absolutely. So you know so we go so we go into the um we go into the break, tune it up. Kim, at this point now, are you making any changes? I, I was see I was, you know, texting the group and I was texting uh, a mate half time just saying that I potentially would have wanted Huang to come on in place of Pedence, maybe just to give us a bit more physicality in case we did want to play this kind of a containment, in case we didn't want to go for a third. Was there anything in the back of your mind where any changes needed to be made or, or because we were so dominant, you know? I mean, everything, I mean, every, yeah, everything had gone pretty much as of planned, obviously, apart from probably just needing, needing to put the ball in the net a little bit more. Um I think it's it's difficult to say that we should have changed anything just because it was going so well. I think mm. in the back of my mind, I was just thinking, you know, not to make him a scapegoat or anything. I feel, feel like Trinkal, there was a few times where he was just getting knocked off the ball and if it had just been a bit sharper, um, you know, and just laid it off a bit quicker. So I thought, mm, re- if we could bring on Huang Neto because you know, it's a local derby. You, you, they're going to come come at us. They couldn't have been any worse than they were in the first half. So you'd have thought mm-hmm. that we're going to have a few opportunities to break on them. So you'd have liked to have, have thought that if you'd have bought, aunt, bought on Neto maybe a little bit earlier, or even Huang, you know, Huang, although he goes drifting and out of games, you feel like if he does get a chance, he's likely to at least hit the target, which obviously mm-hmm. he didn't the one shot that he that he had but I feel like he just makes more things happen generally than Trinkau so that would have been my only change but it, I mean it's difficult to say you, you're not it was always going to be unlikely that Bruno was going to make a change at half time um but I just think maybe he could have bought on Neto and Huang a little bit earlier than he did um just to mm-hmm. almost finish the game off um yeah because yeah like like I was a little bit less optimistic and it was nothing to do with really what was happening on the pitch. I was just freaking out that 
we'll still probably throw this away. I think, you know, a bit of leads in the back of back of my head, a bit of obviously what we did to Villa in the reverse victory. I don't know. I was just getting a bit panicky. And obviously when yeah. they scored the penalty, it was it wasn't uh yeah. It was a very nervy last few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, talking about the penalty, nice segue. Um, the penalty decision itself, um, contentious, controversial, um, <sighs> calamity from the referee. If, if I could th think of anything else, beginning with C, I will. Um, you know, you, you read, you know, the, the response on, you know, on social media for this. People are saying, you know, you know, we we Raul was sent off for this. In you know. Yeah. I don't know where to begin with it because from my point of view, um, Watkins knows exactly what he's doing here. The ball is nicked away, but he changes his run. He changes his direction only slightly to make sure he initiates contact with, with Saar here to give the referee as much of a chance as physically possible of giving the penalty. I, I think it, it's the right thing to do from his point of view because, you know, if you, if you can cheat, do. You know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. However, you know, from your point of view, um, was it a penalty? Wasn't it a penalty? Is there any take off the wolves spectacles for a moment? Is there any justification for it from from, from anyone on the show here? No, none of it makes sense <laughs> to me. To be honest, none of it, none of that, make, none of this makes sense at, at all. Well, it does, it, I think it does make sense, Adam. It, it makes sense that referees are incompetent because we all understand that, don't we? Well, I mean, this is the thing. That would have been checked, would it have not? To, to uh, on the on the old screens in the the, the tactics truck, the VAR truck, and um, they still come to the conclusion that that's a penalty. Which is it's well, yeah, it's, it's just another yet another like nail in the coffin for our officials in this in this league, like <coughs> the biggest best league in the world, but with the worst set of officials behind it. That's that, that's not even in any doubt now, is it? I don't think anyone on on this show or anyone who, who watches and listens to us can argue otherwise that our, our officials are just dog shit basically because they're continually getting decisions wrong like week after week nothing about that what happened there with with Watkins and Saar says to to me or to any of us penalty it just just doesn't it's just a coming together as was the Jimenez one against Leeds which I didn't think that there was no cards needed for that challenge either that was just fix them up get up carry on with the game this was the same I yeah. If anything, if anything, Watkins actually goes into Saar. Yeah. This is what confused. Like I've literally watched it about fifty times without my rose-tinted walls glasses on, and I just, I genuinely can't understand it. Like I don't even get what the justification is for mm. for giving it. I, I, I do think. Yeah. I've always got this. I don't like the idea of using refereeing decisions um, to. I mean, clearly we won the game. We've, we've we've probably not given ourselves the best chance because we should have been three or four nil up um, anyway in the game, and this this penalty should have just been a footnote rather than giving us the the kind of jitters and, and the nerves that it did in the end. But I I always think you have to you have to referee a game on its merits. I know there's all all this talk about consistency across across decisions in different games and stuff like that. The problem I had with the referee mostly in this game was that he just lost control of it for the last probably 20 minutes um, entirely. You know, he, he was giving little shitty free kicks all the time, almost in a, 
in a way of appeasing Villa because they were probably the more anxious of the two teams to make something happen, obviously, because they were behind in the game and they were in his face a lot more. You know, John McGinn was basically refereeing that second half. Um, you know, I think there was a situation where Johnny was probably on a yellow card, tried to get him sent off, little things like that. And it just felt like the referee was, okay, he might not send Johnny off, but the next decision would go with it as way as a way of saying, okay, look, that's fine. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm helping you out a little bit here. And it's far too emotionally led. And that's, I mean, I can, I can kind of I almost forgive the odd big decision being a mistake. Because I, I can see to a certain extent why it might be given. But ultimately referees aren't managing 90 minutes well enough that's 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 mm. i think the crux of the issue and then you lead to bigger decisions and bigger problems as a result of that yeah i think for, for the penalty decision i don't necessarily think in the grand scheme of things the referees is, is to share the majority of the blame i think the var official you know in real time that collision comes together so quickly he's made the decision but referees are now being given the opportunity to, to make mistakes and get away with it because they think that they're going to get the rub of the green from the VAR, you know, whereas actually they've, they've given the decision and VAR have just agreed with him almost straight away. There was no, there was no lengthy review and we want that in the game. We don't want the game to pause for two, three minutes at a time, but how quickly they came to that decision for me is absolutely bizarre. But I mean, Gully, you're right. He, he, we lost, he lost control of the game really, really quickly. You know, this isn't, or at least in my opinion, you know, a, a, a derby compared to other derbies that we have, but it is a Midlands derby for us. Um, and the game did have a little bit of that towards the end. There was a little bit of to and froing and handbags at dawn. You know, we did have a bit of pushing and shoving. The crowd were getting on top, um, you know, against each other. It did have that feel towards the end, which was, you know, for considering it was WrestleMania this weekend, Getting the blood pumping, from my point of view. Did you think <laughs> that anything? Were you were you worried about kind of a red card? Was there a fear of it boiling over, Price? You know about this, or you know we've got some senior heads there. We've got you know Connor Cody running the show. Was it just uh, much ado about nothing for you? What I would say, I mean, uh, it felt like this was a game that the crowd were up for. I mean, I, I wasn't at the Leeds games, but so for me, this was this was the first time in a while which I thought the crowd were really up for a game. You know, we've had for, for quite a long time this season the, the crowd, the atmosphere's been a bit flat um, for, for quite a large number of games, really. But this was one where the, the South Bank were, were on form; they were leading the chance of the game throughout the game. Sorry, um, it felt like. We were up for it. That translated to the players. We didn't really see anything too handbaggish in the game until, like I said, the last the last twenty odd minutes, where yeah, the referee totally lost control. I think there was a bit of an element of let's try and get a Wolves player sent off. Mm. You could see that that was coming through quite clear. Um, some very questionable decisions as well from from the refs. A sort of blatant fouls on on error players going basically uh, without any infractions, and then just some questions calls going blatantly the opposite way. I couldn't really get my head around it to be honest. Um, 
but it, it did feel that last 20 minutes that it, it filtered down to the players and we thought yeah this is this is turning what what we kind of want it to be almost you know we want it we, we even saw where... we even saw Huang making like physical challenges like he, he, <laughs> he couldn't be further away from a tackle normally and he was fighting with John McGinn yeah mm. yeah it was it felt like again that's further crowded on even more from, from from my recollection it felt like yeah this is a proper proper bit of a derby ding dong here which is I think what we all what we all paid to see I think Den Donker's oh, yes. got the role of enforcer hasn't he he seems to be right in the thick of it whenever there's a bit of a ruckus well, I can't remember well, who was um, who was who, right towards the end of the game. Someone was starting on Dendonka big time. I can't remember which Villa player it was now, but you probably, yeah, probably in that picture now, which you uh, two viewers can see. Yeah, he was right in the thick of it. Um, it might have been, it might have been, could have been Conter then. There was a, that was uh, that was square up to him. I mean, from what I know, Dendonka grew up on like a farm back in Belgium or something. He's probably wrestling with cows as a kid. Like, what, what, why would you want to get stuck in with him? Well, absolutely. I mean, if if, if Fabio is the Don, then um, then Donka definitely is the Luca Brasi of this team. Of course, <laughs> so that's for sure. Yeah. Um, moving on to so you know, obviously, fantastic. We, we, we win the game. Um, we hold on. We win the game. I don't actually think. I think for the, for maybe five minutes after their um, their penalty, Villa pressed. But actually, I think we held on really well in the end. It didn't feel anywhere near as panicky. You know, I said after the Leeds game that sports scientists could use that footage as what happens when a, when heads go in a game, when confidence dips. But I didn't actually feel that. Um, you know, we, we controlled it really, really well, despite the referee and Villa's intentions. I want to give a bit of praise to one midfield maestro who gave a performance, um, who keeps performing and... <clears throat> For some people at some point of the season have said we should take him out the back like old Yeller, and that would be Joe Matinho. He just keeps giving the goods. Um, what a performance in the middle of the park. He just dictated play, physically was up there. Um, you know, he just... He, we have to think about offering him a, a new contract and keeping him in the squad. Do, do we knock him? Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, prior to this game I was a little bit worried I, I must say um but I think looking back it's it's the type of game that Matinho tends to deliver um however I think just just looking at Villa's midfield on paper prior to the game you you, you could sense that it, Matinho could have one of those games where it may have passed him by he, he mm. loves a missed time tackle but I felt like everything that he touched was just pure class yesterday feel like he would you know he really really took the the game by the scruff of the neck and really did amazingly and I just can't sit understand why we wouldn't give him a new contract next year even I'd like to think that he won't start every game like he has this year because he, he ain't the youngest now is he let's be honest but mm. I think yeah I think just his experience around the the squad and you know if we were to get into Europe we obviously need a little bit of a bigger squad and, and I just can't understand any reason why we wouldn't give him a, a new contract. And mm -hmm. if he does, I'm pretty sure if he plays, is it like 20-odd more games that Wolves is the team that he's played for most in his career? That'd be okay. nice, wouldn't it? That, that would be, be nice. a good touch, wouldn't it? To be yeah. Fair. 
Oh man, so, he'd have I mean, to get his like black country citizenship then, wouldn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah. Get his statue. Someone someone brings in like a cone of orange chips onto the pitch for him and just yeah. like give him a shake his <laughs> I mean I mean Gully, you've you've always had your kind of your finger on the international um on the international game as much as you had the domestic game. Um from your point of view, Matinho is playing some of some of the best football that I can remember in his career at Wolves and yesterday, you know, proved that he's potentially one of the best we've ever had, I think. What will be, you know, come the end of the um, come the end of the season, will you be clamoring for, you know, for a new deal for him? Do you still think he has a position in this squad or, or in the inevitable reshuffle that we end up having, as all teams do organically? Do you think the time would be right to start, you know, phase him out, move him on, bring in, bleed, bleed in new younger talent? I think you. I don't think you could cut ties entirely. I think I think Portugal are actually finding that they're struggling to replace him. Um, he, mm. he started both games in the week that they, you know, two crucial games to make sure that they're qualified for the World Cup in a in a squad that's totally, you know littered with talent as well so but they need that player in there who's going to take that responsibility and, and, and step up when when required and, and Jao does that for us he, he he maybe does take a little bit of a backseat when Ruben Neves is around but he knew he obviously knew he wasn't around um this week so it, I think he took it upon himself to ensure that he was really going to be in the thick of it dictating terms and stamping his authority on the game what mm. I think I love about him is that he can kind of turn his hand to any part of that midfield role and we haven't really got anyone like that. Him and Ruben, we do. I mean, kind of, you know, work in tandem. But if if Matinho needs to get dirty and get get a little bit ragged in in the middle, he can do it. If he needs to provide a quality pass, he can do that. He's averaged a couple more goals this season, like which is almost unheard of. But aside from probably the goal scoring, he he's an indispensable member of the squad. And you, I'd, I'd hate the idea of us going cold turkey on him, kind of in the summer. Going with that, absolutely. Um, so kind of moving on, um, to, to kind of wrap up the, the game itself. Um, Price, from your point of view, Dendonka has, has, has suffered some criticism through the season, some justified, some not. He had a bit, he had a corker, I've got to admit, in this game. I think he played really, really well. And in some darker corners of the internet, mainly Stu Hall, um, there's shouts for him the, to the be darkest, the darkest corner of the, the darkest internet, of dark corners of the internet. Um, <laughs> calls calls for um, calls for man of the match. How did you assess um, Dendonka's performance in the game, and does he come close to your man of the match? Uh, yes, he does. Uh, he just come very close. He didn't get it, but he comes very, very close indeed. He um, was class. He was, was brilliant yesterday. I always think with the Dendonka hate, it just depends what you're expecting from. From Dendonka, if you're expecting like a no box to box player who's going to be get on the end of crosses and you know arrive late and score goals, I don't think he does that. But what he, what you ask him to do, what he does do, is is, is very effective. He's there to be effectively a, a, a destroyer in in in, in midfield. He's there to, when you ask him to break up play, he'll do that. He's not going to hit raking. Cutting through balls like like a ne- like a Neves can, um, but I d- I, personally, I, I just don't really see why he rolls people up so much. That I just don't understand. Maybe they're expecting some things from him that you know that they're they're missold him basically. They're, they're missold what they think Dendonka was when we bought him. I know he took a while to get into the team when he first signed, and 
I don't know, maybe some people just don't don't trust him as much or think that, you know, Neves and Matinho should be air too and that's that. And, and we've got we even spoke about it on pods in the past where we've said that Neves and Matinho don't work together and it's gotta be Dendonka who plays alongside one of them. It's, we've gone up and down with this before on talking mm. about Dendonka. But I I just don't I don't see why he creates so much negative opinion because he has to do a job and, and to me he, he does it it's not he's not going to be a world-class midfielder that's not that's not him and that's not I don't, I, it depend, again depending on what you're asking him to do he's not, going to, he's not going to do that but I think what he's asked to do an effective midfield job he, he, he does he does that and yesterday he really he really stepped up yesterday he was everywhere all over the pitch and he, he had he had that shot didn't he with his left foot which that would have which rounded off an absolutely cutting move from us. Uh, I know he shanked it just wide of the goal, but um, it was great. It was really great. I think he, you know, he he knows he's got like a run of games in the team there as well. He's going to step up now, and I think between now and the end of the season, I think we could see we could really see him hitting form. <coughs> mm, absolutely, mate. Absolutely, well put. Um, Kim, just to wrap up the kind of player performances, is there any honourable mentions for you? It, it seems boring now to talk about Saar because he's just keep, he just he just performs game after game after game. Pulled off some some great saves again. Are there any other standout performances from you for for this game? Yeah, I think like you you mentioned, Saar's obviously made some really really good saves, especially I think at the end actually where. The Villa player, who I can't remember, was actually a marks and Saar had to come rushing out and almost save our skin. And I don't think that's been mentioned quite as often, but at the time I thought, oh no, this is going in. Um, so I think, yeah, Saar, Matinho obviously ran the show. I do think Dendonka played well. Um, but I just can't go away from Fabio's performance. I think, as I've said before previously, it was an all-round mm-hmm. performance and I think he just led the line brilliantly and he was at the centre of a lot of our good play, whether it be laying off, putting the ball through for other players, you know, getting his shots off, although, you know, he could have done a bit better with the one where he was through in the first half. But, yeah, I think he really just epitomised everything about our our performance yesterday. So, yeah, Fabio for me. Mm-hmm. Neil Lewis there with his plug. Um, I think he's on one of those Sport Index websites, I think. But um, <laughs> trying to get trying to, trying to get that yeah, price yeah, up. Um, but <laughs> maybe. But listen. Um, so just to wrap up, then um, speaking uh, large, speaking to the uh, to the media and his thoughts on the game. Um, obviously pleased. You know, he, he felt that we had the same. We played well against Leeds. Um, we should have scored more, but um, the strategy was perfect. Um, but he does think we need to kill a game off, and that has been a criticism or at least a, a critique of our play in that we do lack sometimes the, that killer instinct just to finish a game off. Is that something that, you know, is the difference between Europe or not for us, Gully? Or is this something that just comes with time, comes with a philosophy, comes with a style? I think, no, he's got he's got every, every right to kind of be quite annoyed with his forwards. I was saying that after the game... That fixture, the way it went and the way we attacked them and created chances, at the end of it, it shouldn't be Johnny in an own goal on the score sheet because our forwards should be profiting off the back of that. You know, that should be, you know, Pedence grabbing a goal, Fabio grabbing a goal, potentially Trincao. You know, maybe not all of them, but they, you know, they're at the sharp end of the pitch, so should be capitalising on the situations that they created for themselves because they did really well in causing a lot of havoc for 
um, for the Aston Villa defence. But, you know, fair enough, we're getting players contributing from all over the pitch, but it's not necessarily that sustainable, I don't think. You know, I'm not expecting Johnny to go on a run of, you know, five, six games in a row where he's having to, to open scoring for us. But it's 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 a slight concern. We have addressed the goal scoring issue overall. We, we you know, we, we're starting to pick up more um goals at, at the moment, which is good to see. But the, the forward line just has to has to start being a lot more clinical and, and really punishing teams because like you say, yeah, it probably is the difference between us becoming a toxic side. And not well. If you saw mm. the, um, the the stat that Sky Sports put up earlier, with in the, this calendar year, twenty twenty two, we're third for the most goals in the Premier League. Really? So I didn't realise. Uh, no, when I saw that, I was I was yeah, really I shocked. But then when you look back on the other fixtures, obviously we scored three against Leeds. Um, four against Watford, I think. Wasn't four it well, against Watford. Yeah. Um, so I stacked up on certain games, but I, I, it was, yeah, it was interesting. It was something that because we all kind of have this opinion where we don't score enough, and there we are. I, I know we're only in April, but so far this calendar year, like we're third, so it, it, it's going in the right direction for the amount of goals scored. But I think yeah, we haven't probably shook that feeling totally that we could do more. I know it's it's saying that when we're with third highest score of this calendar year, but you do sort of get that feeling still. And yes, there's a prime example, obviously, where you think, yeah, we could do more. We could put ourselves mm. in a better position. I think you're good. It's right, though. It's it's We're getting goals across, all over the pitch, but the forwards are looking so dangerous, create, creating chances, but we're just not. they're not clinical enough in putting them away. Imagine if they were just slightly more clinical. God knows where we could be in the league because it's not like we'd, mm. we're not creating the chances. It's just that... Pedence, Trincao, Raul to an extent, they're just and all of them they just don't take the chances enough. If 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 anything, it's probably Huang that's probably I think he has got a decent shots to goal ratio, but the rest of them they're just they're not clinical enough for me. Mm, potentially, yeah, potentially. Right. It's, it's quite a lot, quite a lot of chances created and it's basically a right back and a known goal for us yesterday, wasn't it? So mm. there we go, it swings and roundabouts. It swings around out. But um, listen, we're going to take a short break now. Give a chance to um, top up your glass if you have one. And when we come back, we're going to discuss agents' fees. We're going to discuss one Ruben Neves. And we will have Twitter Corner. So we will see you shortly. Hi, all. Gully from Wolves Fancast here, and just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans, I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here, some outside-of-the-box thinking there, but our sponsors Pixel Yeti Media are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding and marketing needs, with our very own WolvesFancast.com, a fine example of their work. So much so that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money is gone. We might have just had our answer. Welcome back to Wolves Fancast. Thank you very much to Pixel Yeti Media again and 90min.com and also the Sports Shopping Kings Winford. It's competition time, ladies and gentlemen. We have uh, prizes galore. Uh, we have two tickets to give away for the Newcastle game next Friday. Um, and it couldn't be easier to um, to apply. This isn't, a, you know, a Dan quiz special where 
we're going to get need some ex- uh, obscure knowledge from you. All you've got to do is is retweet and follow Wolves Fancast, um, and two Newcastle tickets um, could be yours. And based on their performance today, they're already on the beach, so it could be a fantastic opportunity to um, to see an away performance. Um, we're going to be announcing the winner next Wednesday or this this Wednesday coming at nine a.m. So get your name in the hat, retweet the post, and follow Walls Fancast to be able to be in with a chance of winning those tickets, and we will get that sorted for you. Uh, Price, I was talking to you yesterday um, in the uh, in the Gifford afterwards. Um, the last time um, I, uh, when I was thinking about Newcastle, when we took, I think, I think it was four 0 to Barnsley. We'd lost in the week, and then we um, then we beat them two nil. Was it two nil or two one up? Um, two nil, yeah. Up there. Well, what an incredible game that was. To be fair, I know we've played them since. I think we drew drew last time we played there, maybe. But fantastic um, ground, really, really hospitable fans. Maybe not in the stadium, but at least out of it. Um, so make sure that you. Um, Retweet and follow Wolves Fancast for a chance to be in the hat for that. Um, so Bruno Lodge came out after the game and he said, we're going to offer Ruben Neves a new deal. Um, the news could not be bigger, I think, if he was to sign a new deal. I think it would be absolutely... Um, it'd just be huge for the club if Ruben Neves signs... A, um, a new contract for us. I think the majority of level-headed Wolves fans would understand if he went elsewhere, but I still think that at this moment in time, we can still offer Neves something that keeps us an attractive prospect for him. But does does us qualifying for Europe, is, is that the kicker for you, Kim? Do we need to qualify for Europe to keep Neves? Or do you think that there's enough there if we can offer supporting the transfer window for him that will make him stay? I think we've got... The be-all and end-all is that he probably wants European football. I can't imagine him staying. I think even if... So if we don't make Europe, I, don't, I still don't think we're going to invest in the team, whatever happens. That's that's mm. almost what's coming out of the club at the moment. Whether that's going to change in the next window, I'm... Not really, I'm not seeing any signs of it. So I think the only thing that could keep Neves here is if we do get um, Europa League again, maybe. Um, so I'm not sure that the news of us offering him a new contract's that exciting because we're obviously going to, you know, you're not just going to yeah. not offer Ruben Neves a new contract. Mm. Um, but, you know, you'd like to think he, he sounds like he's happy here, but just some of the things that he said in interviews... I wouldn't be surprised if, A, we just decided to cash in on him and we thought that we could invest money into the team, or B, that he genuinely just feels like it's the right time for him to move on to maybe a a team that's challenging in the Champions League. Um, Mm -hmm. But it'll be interesting to see. I think we need to, as long as we, we get him to sign the contract... Even that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be here for years and years to come, but it just obviously makes us, if we did sell him a year later, then obviously if he's got a long-term contract, we can obviously reap even more money for him. So it's a really, I think it's almost a pivotal decision in the summer Mm. after what happens as to how how the club's going to move forward. Yeah, I think there's every chance, you know, it could be one of these 
signed the contracts to maximise our opportunity and investment, but there's a gentleman's agreement there that if the you know a quote unquote big team or an offer that's too good for him to turn down, we would give him then the blessing to go. But it protects Wolves' financial interests as well. I don't know. I'd like to. I'd like to think in in this. You know, he has enough trust in the club, and we have enough respect for him that we could offer him something like that. Gully, one thing I wanted to ask you, because obviously when we're talking about qualifying for Europe, we're talking about the Europa Conference League. We're not talking about the Europa League at this point. Does the Europa Conference League actually, you know, it's very, very early into its inception, does it garner any respect when it comes to potential transfers, do you think? Because you've got Slovakian teams with trains that go around pitches and you've got these, the doldrums of the, you know, the European game here. Is it as big as a deal as we make it, the Europa Conference League, in terms of us signing players? <laughs> I'd be interested to know um, what kind of sales pitch we would put together if we qualified for the Europa Conference League to a prospective signing. I don't know. Get Renato Sanchez into a room and play the entrance music to the Europa Conference League um, as he as he comes in or something like that. I don't know. I, don't, I, I mean, it's, it's anybody's guess what, what kind of esteem people hold it in. But... It's, uh, I mean, European football is European football is European football, isn't it? It's, it's just, it's just that it's just a bit of a holy grail, isn't it? So, when you're seeing you know, Tottenham getting beaten by teams from Malta, like that's that mm. kind of stuff is just nothing else is going to throw up that kind of scenario. Um, you you can't shit on these tournaments because they will shit back on you, um, and clearly that that kind of situation occurred in that scenario. Um, Leicester appear to be having a pretty good time in there. Um, so I think it, it's always important to, if as a footballer, to show that you can play football in different scenarios and mm. playing. You know, what what would it be Thursday, Saturday, th- Thursday, Sunday, whatever? Playing in different conditions, in different styles. You know, continental football is still different to to the Premier League in so many ways. So going away and, you know, breaking down a team who are going to put 11 men behind the ball because they're from Malta and they're a bunch of part-timers. That's, that's a, that should be something that a player like Ruben Neves has to be seen to be capable of doing. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that he's actually proven that on too many occasions. At that bit, at I mean, as a yeah. team, we've never been that good at that kind of thing. But it's just little things like that that I think, okay, you, you maybe you do want your move, but ultimately there might be question marks over certain parts of your, your ability that are stopping people from actually coming in and taking a punt on you as well. So, you know, mm. there's a, a potential shot window to to show people what you're about as well. Price, from your point of view, as the million dollar man said, everybody has their price. What's, what's your price for one Ruben Neves? If you're the one that's signing the checks and you're the one that's cashing the checks, what, what fee are you taking what are you agreeing on that he goes for that gives wolves the most let's let's pretend that they will reinvest all of the money into the squad what price is he going for for you Be, being our resident price it's, man of course exactly of course the price is right pro, pro, price is right yeah uh you know what this is like the the endless debate this is of, of what price you put on him because I think whatever you say, someone's going to have like a counter, a counter price back. But the figures are so inflated now. I mean, you look at like Declan Rice that West Ham wants minimum 150 mil for him. Mm-hmm. So, and he's like 
seen as the future of the England team. Neves is the, the future, or also the present, I suppose, of, of the Portugal team for a team that wants to go places. So, you know, why would we not ask for like something near 100 million for Neves? I, it, it sounds ridiculous, but it doesn't really. But you think when you think about it, but you think, well, well, why not? Given the figures that are involved in football nowadays. Um, yeah. We can't we can't ask for that now because we've we've shown that we can play without him this weekend, don't we? <laughs> He's not indispensable. <laughs> and and to be fair, it's not it's about what he how much he's worth to Wolves. Like he's not worth a hundred yeah. million, but to Wolves, for Wolves to actually replace Neves, it probably mm. would take that. I think I, I, that we'd have to I, reinvest it as like two players just to I honestly think Declan Rice leaving West Ham would cause them to fall apart. That he's that important to them. I don't necessarily see us as being that kind of club to Neves at the moment. Perhaps. Are mm. you basing that on just one performance after? No, I just, I just don't think. Care. I think we can, we can handle him not being around a little bit better. That's all. Mm. There's a lot of things too. There's the impact that he has if, if he goes, and there's the message that I say if he goes, he will go at some point. Now I know I've said that for the last couple of seasons, but. It's also the the political impact of that as well as what other prospective signings see that as you know look they've had to sell him. <clears throat> we had that with Jota, as well you know, at strangely off his worst or you know not a worst season, but like he had an ineffective season for us. But he's gone on to bigger and better things. Neves, you know, you know we, we we've. We've kind of weathered that storm of losing the Jota, but I don't know. The Neves, a guy who runs games in midfield, losing losing him, it's going to take a hell of a a well scouted replacement to come in, and if he's going to be asked to do exactly the same thing that Neves does now, um, it will happen. He's going to he's going to Eventually. go at some point, unfortunately, and we're going to have a week of mourning when he does go. Or that, or that week is when we build his statue. But uh, you know, he, as as we said before, you know, he seems he, he seems like he's happy here. He wants to succeed here. We have to just match that. And um, it depends who's, who's sniffing around him. You know, if mm. Man United have got a big reboot on in the summer, but that's not really for me. That'd be a waste of his career going to Man United at the minute. I don't really yeah, see that as like a, a promising forward step. He's better than that. He's better than that. He's better than going to that circus at the minute. It just depends who, who's who's coming in for him um, and if he fancies that challenge. If he, he could be going to one of the big boys abroad. I don't know whether someone like a City or Liverpool will go in for him. I, I don't know. But I think he he wants to, he really wants to succeed here. He's, he's, it's unlike, it, 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 it seems um, weird, but he has set down some roots here from where he's come from mm-hmm. in Port- Porto to set down some roots in Wolves. As mental as that continually sounds, but um, I think Bruno's mentioned it as well that he he Bruno also wants the best for Neves as a footballer. He wants him to be mm. at the top of the top. He said, but we've got to match that. Unfortunately, we we've got to show him. I think the, the only way that he stays here when we don't have European football is that we've shown him the plan, what we're going to do in the summer. Yeah. We've shown him who we're going to get in. We've shown look. As we've said, as we've said on on this podcast, that you can sign a new deal. That's the security against the club to get more value for you if the next twelve months don't pan out as per this plan. And you know, we show him who we're getting in, who's going, who's coming in. He'll go. 
okay, look, we'll give it another 12 months. But if it doesn't pan out, then as, as you said, Matt, you know, gentlemen's agreement, which is commonplace in football, I'll we'll just go, yeah, it's the one well, a, a certain statue comes in, off he goes. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one person that won't be um, unhappy about the move, and that'll be his agent. Um, Wolves have spent almost 12 million British pounds on agents' fees between February 2021 and January uh, 2022. The ninth biggest spend in the Premier League, 11.9 million, um, beneath the so-called Big Six, Leicester and Watford. Um, Wolves' spend was lower than the previous year's layout of 12.5. I mean, listen, that can buy you one Hoover. You know these kind of um, these kind of what figures. brand a Dyson? What type of Hoover? A Dyson, <laughs> a Dyson, one Kiana. Um, this is just one of those things, really. I think unless the, the, this is bigger than Wolves, the game itself needs to manage what happens with the agents' fees and whether that be. Um, I don't know. I don't know how we, we you know the, the the game gets around agents' fees. It's, it's it's decisions made by people in a lot bigger influence than myself. Um, but is, is that going to be a concern, you know, going forward for Wolves that actually spend-wise, you know, we get nothing out of agents' fees, Wolves as a club, the player does and the agent does, um, but we get absolutely nothing out of it. Is, it. is this one of those things you've just got to grin and bear it, Kim? Like, agents exist. It's a, an un, un, unhelpful, but, um, you know, it's always going to be there. Yeah, and I think I'm surprised that we're that far down, actually. I think with the press that we get around the the George Mendes mm. stuff and how much of that is to, to George Mendes is probably quite high um, proportion. However, I think, yeah, I, I'm shocked that we're not higher in that table, to be honest. I think it's more of a um, an issue with football as opposed to, to Wolves. Um, and I can see what you're saying. Obviously, that's one on a Hoover, which probably isn't the best example because uh, <laughs> the fact that he's frozen out at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just one of those things about modern football. It's almost like chucking money up in the air, but, you know, we wouldn't have signed half of the players that we have done if it wasn't for this agent, let's be honest. So you've got to yeah, true. grin and bear it, haven't you? Yeah, I, well, I don't agree with the idea that... Yeah, I, I yeah. don't agree with the idea that we don't get anything out of it because I think... Ultimately, we get we're in the in the pocket of an agent, so to speak, where favourable stuff will come as a result if we're dealing with these people on a regular basis. And it's not a bad pocket to be in if you have a look at um, you know George Mendes's client list, and we we have profited from those kind of situations. So I think I do mm-hmm. think agents get a bad rep just because people suggest that the money's not staying within football, and they're always touting player services elsewhere and things like that, but. There's probably a lot of work that goes on with agents um, in in terms of getting players out of clubs, you know, where they're they're rotting away and their careers could potentially, you know, just just mm-hmm. you know disintegrate into nothing and things where it, it'll never make the news because it's, it's not a it's not a headline, it's not it's not going to be a big enough story for people. But there's probably um, yeah a good side to the agency, which is the reason why it's it's so well paid as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's a fair that's a fair and balanced argument. Um, so then finally, let's do a little bit of Twitter corner. Um, so if you follow us on um, Wolves Twitter, Fancast Twitter, then you're able to get your questions in and we will answer them. Um, so Dean's Mar- Dean Marsden, easy for me to say, is Fabio generational? Um, 
I'm guessing you mean by that, is he a generational talent or not the generation game, I'm guessing? Um, is Fabio generational um, for you, Price? Take that as you will. I thought like this was like a, a football manager style question. Is he just generated? He's not. He's, just, he's an organic player. He's, a regen. He's not, he's not a real person. <laughs> a regen, yeah. <laughs> uh, is he generational? Oh. I suppose, I, I suppose it, given the level of investment we put into him, then... then mm. He's been primed for that for that reason. He's 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 primed to be the golden boy of of Portugal for the next twenty years, maybe. I guess so. That's a, I, yeah. I, I mean, I guess on that basis, you, you would say you could argue that that he potentially he is. I mean, I just, you don't want to keep the, the two things go hand in hand, don't they? When you mention silver, and then the price tag comes like mm. short, very shortly afterwards, which you hope isn't going to be in like an eternal sort of albatross around his neck really but um hopefully it's a generational channel not just for portugal but for us as well yeah absolutely good if from your point of view you know is is this someone that you see in three five seven ten years we're having a conversation about thinking actually at the time we didn't know what we had with him he was one unbelievable player that he has gone on to become, and we were lucky as Wolves to be part of that, you know, part of his career. Well, I mean, at the moment, I'll just be excited to see him start two games in a row. Um, <laughs> exactly. At the end of this week. So, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just looking forward to him actually having a run of games uh, for Wolves at the moment. But, yeah, I, I mean, we've all, I'm sure there's a few football manager aficionados amongst us, and um, we all know how, how it turns out for him within the virtual world. And it is... Uh, pretty astonishing how good he becomes on that game so hopefully if he reaches even half of those levels we've got a serious player on our hands I think the, the whole the idea of a generational talent I don't think he's got the the current skill set to really be mm. generational at the moment he's, he's he's still lacking at certain elements he's not got you know incredible dribbling ability he's not finishing every chance that he gets he's not you know got extreme pace so he he will be a bit of a slower burner than most. Um, but my, a, a good friend of mine who um, we, we did a podcast episode on the Pat Mentality, which you can listen to as well, suggested he'll score 150. There you go. There's a plug. 150 goals in Europe's top five leagues by the time he's 30. So Ooh. he's got some going. He's got some going to do. But yeah, I, I think that's a fair shout. Not necessarily for us, but yeah, mm. you know. Okay, moving on. Um, Richard Hobbs, who in football would you like to slap in the face when you hear them speak? Kim, I'm sure you've had a boozy night on Broad Street once or twice in your life. Who would you be slapping in the face if you saw them um, from the footballing world? I don't know about Broad Street, but... Um... So this, I read too, the question Too earlier. good for Broad Street, is it? Is that, was Ooh, that? That's a bit 1990s, isn't it, Broad Street? Come on. Um, you've never fell out of G-Vans and, you know, into the road or you've been, to, you know, come out of Planet and, and you know, had a kebab rush or anything like that. Oh, but now we're going back into Wolverhampton, Planet, yeah, back in the day. Anyway, who would I like to slap in the face? This is so easy for me. So when I read this question earlier, I was thinking, there's only one bloke that comes to mind, and that is Steve McManaman. Oh, right. <laughs> cannot, cannot stand that guy on comms. Like I literally don't won't watch football when he's commentating. It absolutely drives me mad. 
No, just no. Do we have any advance on McManaman price? Uh, the first person that came to my mind was Wilfred Sahar. I know he doesn't speak, he doesn't speak, speak much, but uh, when I just see him on the football pitch, I just want to slap him. He'd probably go down for a dive as well if he did that as well. I tried to. <laughs> yeah, probably tried would. Stick with one of them. Gully, who's facing your wrath? I don't know. I feel like there's less despicable people around in football these days. And a lot of them are not, especially like a lot of people around the England team and stuff. They all showed their nice side over the over the summer and things, didn't they? But um, I mean, I'll always happily slap Ronaldo about if you really want me to. So yeah, I'll be first one to run up and do that. Somewhere, even if Dan isn't watching, his spider senses have gone off to jump to his boy's <laughs> aid. Somewhere right now. Moving on. Moving on. Gumplock. Gumplock. Uh, is Fabio our number one striker now? Um, personally, I think that's a little premature. Um, I don't think we can write off Raul quite yet. I know, you know, there's some people that already would do that. Um, but I do think that, you know, we should be putting ourselves in a position where the wheels start to turn. We give him more game time, as we've already kind of discussed on this. We get him in a position where next season he can challenge for that number one striker position because, you know, I think we have to we have to bleed him in with more game time. Simple as that, really. Um, Daddy P, Fernandez has a voice like Kermit the Frog, and I think he could usually use a slap. <laughs> I really want to listen to an interview from him now. Just to, just yeah, to I think that, like, this is the first thing I'm going to do when we go from here. Um, moving on, Mark Poulton. Uh, is it time to start trusting the transfer policy? We could easily have spent close to £40 million on Tellers and Sanson, which would have satisfied most of us and made us look more ambitious. But yesterday highlighted that neither would get in our team. Great question, Mark. Thank you. Price, do we trust the process? Do we have solutions within? Um, what you know? Where are we in terms of our transfer policy? Because we've seen clubs piss it up the wall and spend, 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 and get to them absolutely nowhere. Look at Everton. Look at Villa. Um, should we sit back, take stock, and trust the process a little bit more? Well, I mean, you look at the league position denotes that we're doing something right, we're on the right lines. I just think there's there's always that thought that. Um, you don't want to have coming into the season and like a missed opportunity where you think where if only would have signed X or Y, mm. we could have ended up in seventh place, for example, and got got that Europa Conference spot. Um, and there's all I, I, I get it, I understand it. When you see a lot of other teams in in the summer and, and to lesser extent in January signing players and win, we just not do anything. You get, you know, it builds up inside, and you're thinking, well, what, why aren't we doing anything? We need, like, all of us here have already, like, at some points this season, gone right midfielder. That's what we want, a midfielder. What, why aren't we signing one? So that that's when the whole Sanchez thing was kicking around. And ultimately, we have. I don't want to jinx it because we obviously we are down one midfielder at the minute, but we haven't. You know, we've not been chronically worse off for not signing a Renato Sanchez yet. So I do think that they have overall, that they should have a, a trust. But 
there's always that, it's just my opinion there, there's always that nagging feeling, you know, where you think, well, maybe we could just do a little bit more so we don't have that missed opportunity feeling at the end of the season. Now, obviously, without getting too much into the weeds of it, you have the difficulty of signing a player who will come in and not necessarily play straight away. Does that mm-hmm. then breed a, a controlling like personality in the background? I know, we haven't mentioned him on the pod for a while, have we? <laughs> shoehorn him in there for a little bit. But then you can get someone like him where he, 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 he's signed, signed someone for big money, comes into the team, he's thinking he's going to play. No, sorry, mate, we're still playing, I don't know, Neves and Joao are still air front two. Oh, right, OK. That guy then festers on, on, the, on the side, on the bench, thinking he should be playing, and he's not. So it's, it's, always, it's always a fine balance in that. But, I think the um, issue that we've got is that we need to improve our first 11. You can't really just spend £10 million on a player. That's the reality. You're probably going to need to invest a fair amount of money to get better than what we have. And I think that's the issue that we've got. I think what a lot of Wolves fans are getting annoyed by is the fact that we've just been used to signing decent players for a decent amount of mm. a decent fee. And now suddenly it's almost like we've got to sell to buy. We've got no money at all. And it can it can almost be quite frustrating just because of how well we're doing and how 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 well we're making what we've got use of the, the squad. But it's always a case of, but what if? But what if we sign? <laughs> and that doesn't necessarily mean even if we invest money in a player, who knows? You don't know if they're going to do well. E.g. Villa, like, look how much they've spent and they just looked all over the mm. shop. Um, mm. So it's a difficult one, isn't it? But you'd just like to think that we'd have, we need to show a little bit of ambition or else the types of players like Neves <laughs> and maybe others might be start to lose faith and then, you know, it only takes one or two to leave and you, you, who knows, we're back in the bottom half of the Premier League. I genuinely think, and, and people probably won't want to hear this, but there's a scenario where we probably lose, I don't know, say, Marcel. We get Morgan Gibbs-White back for the start of pre-season. We maybe get Ryan Giles back as a, as a backup wing-back um, with Marcel away from the club. Um who knows, maybe even Adama comes back off his loan because Barcelona don't take up the option. We have Pedro Neto ready for pre-season to, to have a proper stab at it next season. And we're a better team than we are right now. I honestly I, I believe that because Gibbs White, having had a full season of football in the Championship, is playing well enough, I think, to be a Premier League footballer. Um Neto will be a massive, massive plus to us once he's because it, it really doesn't look at it. I mean, when he when he came on, he looks like he's lacking a yard of pace, and that's going to take a bit of time to get up to, to speed with. And he needs that preseason, I think, to to really give him the best chance to yeah. to get up to his levels again. And I honestly believe that makes us infinitely stronger without even making a signing. Hmm. Okay, last but by no means least, uh, Stephen Griffiths uh, wants to know, keep it to a back five next season or risk going to a back four? Where are you with this one, Price? Well, we have the options at the back, don't we, for the five. We're going to lose Sace, I think. So, and we're going to lose Marcel, definitely. I think he's, yes, that's, we've talked about that already. But now we have Samedo and Johnny. So I think we just lose Marcel and Johnny will just switch mm. switch sides. So then we him and Nate Nori on that side and then Samedo and um, young Kiana on, on the other side. Um, 
so I, don't, I, I think we've got enough options there to, to, to say as we are, rather than changing it all and going to, going to back four. Don't forget, we've also got uh, Bollies coming back to the dependable. You know, he didn't really do too. I know he had a few misplaced passes yesterday, but he looked, he looked fine. Cody, we've still got Cody, we've got Kilman, Toto Gomez in, in reserve as well. We've, we've got, I think we've got quite a lot as we are to the stage we are without trying some sort of radical change. I don't know, Bruno might, with, with the pre-season, with all his options, that's something he may wish, may, may, may want to do, but for me, I'd just keep it, keep, keep it as a back five. We've got the options to do it. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much. Well, that's it, uh, boys and girls. Thank you very much for listening to ourselves, whether that be live on YouTube this evening or in podcast audio form or however you consume our content. We really do appreciate you getting in touch with us as well. Make sure you are liking and subscribe to us on those platforms at Wolves Fancast. Um, appreciate um, your support and you know there's a plethora of content that we pump out week after week. It's not just the podcasts and YouTube videos post-game. Um, Gully, you'll presumably be doing um, your fantastic GTA series on the Villa win. Um, we'll also have the preview show, which I assume is Thursday this week because of um, Newcastle being Friday. Uh, uh, Newcastle being Friday, that's right. Um, we've recently re did a film cast episode on the football factory in the international break. Um, there's loads of contents in the back catalogue as well if you need to get that Wolves fix over the next few weeks. Um, so, yeah, make sure you like and subscribe to us. Thank you very much to um, Pixel Yeti Media, 90min.com and the Sports Shop in Kings Winford for their support also. Uh, but for now, Kim, if you'd like to say goodbye. Goodbye. Gully, if you would like to say goodbye. Shit on the villa. Shit on the villa. Adam, if you would like to say goodbye. Mind the gap. And from me, Matt, take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves.